0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Now, as we begin, a question I have for you, and this is a question that I usually ask people when we start the 201 class. And the question is, do you think that you will like God more the more you get to know him? So I let people think about that a little bit. And Do you think you're, you're going to like God more the more you get to know him? And the answer that I get all the time is yes, right? Absolutely. The more, the more I get to know God, of course I'm going to like him more because he's God. But that's when I, I warn them. And say, I'm just going to warn you that in Jesus' ministry, the more people got to know him, the less they liked him. Actually, the more they understood his purpose for coming into the world, the less they wanted to have to do with him. And so, one of the reasons why, and, and I want you to think about this for a moment, because if you think the more that you get to know God, the more you are going to like him, there, there's kind of an assumption that people make, and that is that God is like me. You see, back, back way back, 2,000 years ago, the Greeks... And, and the Romans, when they depicted gods and when they made false gods, what they made them look into was kind of their image. And, and what they said is, God looks like me, only better. And now in, in our society, we've graduated from that. So, so we don't think of Zeus or Apollo or anything like that. We, we dispel those as, as like imaginations of those past uh, people that have gone before us. But I would argue that today, that people wouldn't say God looks like me, they would say God thinks like me. That, that the logic that I have must be God's logic. That, that the God that I am going to get to know, I'm going to assume that everything he does is going to make sense to me. And that's when I I usually tell people this quote. It wasn't my quote, but I, I remember reading it and it impressed me. And it said, a God that I can fully understand is not worthy of my praise. Because if it's something I could have come up with, then I could be God. If the thought processes are going to be the same as my thought processes, really what I'm doing is I'm establishing myself as God. Now, the reason why I bring this up as we begin this message series in in Jacob is I'm going to tell you from my personal experience, the more that I get to know Jacob, the more I dislike him. Jerk, total jerk. Jacob, the more you look at Jacob, his name means heel grabber, which, which in translation also means deceiver. And and kind of the picture that that is given in Jacob's name. Imagine that you are walking next to someone, and if you've ever done that, where you've used you, you grab them and then you pull yourself ahead of them with their with their momentum so that you get ahead of them. That's what Jacob's name means. And what we're going to see is Jacob was doing that all the time. He's a jerk. And so what happens is it, it makes us pause because this is the guy that God chose to have his son come through his line. That when we look at the, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, that's actually the, the, the 12 tribes that come from Jacob. This is the guy that God chose. And, and when you look at it, when I look at it, that I would say, Jacob, I don't know if he'd be my last choice, but he would be pretty close. And so as we look at Jacob, what we're going to see is this account really isn't about Jacob. It's about Jesus. It's about a God that is full of grace and mercy, who acts in surprising ways that are completely different from the way that I think, completely different from the way you think. And he does it for one reason— To show us without a shadow of a doubt that he is a God of grace. That you are loved. That no matter where you come from, and and we're going to look at, Jacob comes from a screwed up family. No matter how messed up your family is, there's a place for you at the Lord's table. There's There's grace and mercy and favor and friendship and redemption for you as well. So today, as we go through this, there's going to be an upper story of God and his grace and a lower story of Jacob being a jerk. And and as we look at this, I'm going to ask you to try to harmonize these two. First of all, to find out more about God. And finally, to see more about God's great love for you. So we, we start. And we start, we go back to Genesis chapter 25, beginning with the 19th verse. It says, this is the account of the family line of Abraham son of Isaac. So this is starting, the big three in the Old Testament were Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it was grandpa, father, and son. That's who we're looking at. And and specifically, as we look at Abraham, Isaac, he had two sons, Esau and and Jacob, and we're looking at the account of Jacob, one of those sons. Abraham uh, became the father of Isaac. Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Paddan Aram, and sister of Laban the Aramean. And so we look at this, and it's simply a genealogy, but it's so much more than that. Because as we look at Jacob, we're going to see that this is quite an impressive line, that he is the grandson of of possibly the greatest person in the Bible, definitely in the Old Testament. And that person was Abraham, a person who walked with God, an individual who had a personal relationship with God unlike any other. And so, in the blank, you can write Jacob was a descendant from a family who experienced God's friendship and grace and favor. That's the family line he's coming from. So, it's very impressive. And, and I use the word friendship, first of all, because the Bible says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness and he was called God's friend. And, and from that, we even get to what a friend, what a friend we have in Jesus, what a friend we have in our God. Because of the relationship we have with him through faith that we believe God, through this, this relationship of, of having faith and trust in him, which is inspired by, by his resume and by his track record, that we have this relationship with God. And so when he sees us, he doesn't see our, our past wrongs, but rather he sees the blood of Jesus. He sees us as righteous and perfect in his eyes. That's where Jacob came from. And so he becomes a logical choice. Uh, that, the, that the Savior would come through this line. But then we go on from there. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. So now you have this situation where he's told the Savior's going to come from your line. Okay, that's great. But now I'm in a situation where my wife is not having a baby. So how can this happen? So, so he's concerned and he's praying for her. The Lord answered his prayer, and his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. The babies jostled each other within her. So she's pregnant with twins. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Ladies, if you have had uh, a baby before, maybe you've gone through this where you're like, what is going on with this baby? Um, That maybe you're telling her, you know, maybe you shouldn't drink so much caffeine, uh, maybe that would be a little bit better and the baby would calm down a little bit. But now you have twins in there. And, and, and as she's, that she, this is going on, that, that it's making her say, what is going on? And so she went and inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. And two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other. And the older will serve the younger Wow. As she heard these words, these words would be hard for a mom to hear, wouldn't they? That, that you have two children in, inside of you who aren't necessarily going to get along. Uh, maybe you've experienced this in your family. Maybe you have some sibling rivalry where there's brothers or sisters who, who just, every time they get together, it is just just bumping heads and, and these wills and, and each one kind of wanting to be the boss of the family. This is what's going on. And so in the blank you can write, Jacob was a descendant from a human family. His story will reveal his and their, the whole family's, need for a savior. This time of year, there are a number of graduation parties uh, weddings that are going on. I, I don't know if any of you have been invited to these before. And what you find out when you go to some of these parties are there's some crazy families out there. And, and they're like, and, and those crazy families are ones that we are part of. And, and so we're going to see with Jacob. Jacob had the crazy uncle. We're going to talk about him later. That's Laban, that it, you never knew what he was going to do. And, and so as we look at this, there's also family strife, and it started from a very young age. And so if, I want you to think about your family. I, I remember as a child being told about my uncle and my aunt who hadn't spoken in 27 years. And it was I knew they hadn't spoken, and I knew when there were family events that you would not invite. Invite both of them because the first question they would ask is, is so-and-so going to be there? And if they were, the other person wouldn't show. That when there were family events, that it would be told, don't tell them about it because they are not invited. Do you have families like that? Do you you have ones where when you put them in the the same room, that it's just, you know it's trouble? There's a reason why God, I, I do believe, put... Jacob and Esau in this family. And and part of it is is to make us realize there is hope. There is hope for families. And and not only that, but God loves them. And, And there is a way to navigate through this with God's grace as well. And this whole series is going to be about this. We continue. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red And his whole body was like a hairy garment, and they named him Esau. You know those babies just full of hair. They tick me off. I look at him like, seriously? I've been trying 50 years to grow hair. You have more coming out of the womb than me. Yeah. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. And there you get the name, what the name Jacob literally means. Grabbing on. So as the first baby came out, there's a hand coming out with it saying, I'm trying to get ahead of you. And that's why they named him Jacob. So he came out grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. All right, so kind of you get the idea. Can, can you get in your mind the difference between Esau and Jacob? So Esau had the four-wheel drive gun rack uh, maybe some deer horns uh, around there, and that's the way he rolled. Uh, he couldn't wait to go bull hunting the next time and, and see what he could do. He, he, he probably had stuffed animals in his tent and, and loved them. They were, that's the way he was. Jacob, on the other hand, uh, hate to say it, we gotta call him a mama's boy, right? <laughs> and, and so he, he felt more comfortable in the, in the, in the tent And so he was more, we're going to see more of a a businessman, that that he felt uh, a little more comfortable in his BMW and just hanging around town. And so as you had these two two individuals, this is the problem, and this this is really where the seeds go of, of a bad relationship in a family, and that is mom and dad played favorites. Okay, so now in your family... I want you to think of like you as a child, if you had brothers and sisters, did your parents have a favorite? And if your answer is no, that means you are the favorite. <laughs> and otherwise, or uh, otherwise, in your family, immediately, I can tell you, the rest of the the, the the kids will tell you who the favorite is. And it's not even a competition, and it's not necessarily even, I'm speaking now from experience. That, that as we look at this, call, I get, I, there's eight kids in the family I grew up in, four boys, four girls. And if you were to ask them, who was mom's favorite, I am. I mean, it's not even, it's not even close. And, and it was, why? Because my mom always wanted a son who would be a pastor. And now, there you go. This is, this is the finished product that mom was looking for. It's like, mom, set your sights higher. But my, dad, but my dad also, there was one who, a, a brother of mine that my dad, he just, it just is. And I'm not saying this because I'm hurt by it. I'm not saying it because of, of any reason. I don't think they were trying to be mean or cruel. It just was. And so here's the deal, is that it is not bad to have a sibling rivalry or to be very competitive in what you do. And in the blank, you can fill it in. From the beginning, there was competition between Esau and Jacob that devolved into self-centered favoritism. An example of that would be, and the way that this goes to help you be aware of this is this. At Crosswalk, we have competition and we have rivalry. And I would say that, especially uh, between Jeff and myself, that it is a competition and and not like spoken and it's not like the the way that we keep score necessarily but both of us are driven by the other person's drive and it and it makes us want to do better and it makes us say as whether it be preparing sermons or whatever it is that we want to do the best we can and and there's a reason why and that is first of all that God has given praise And that crosswalk is blessed. And and that's what we do. I mean, and I I would say it's very healthy. But I also would say that there are times when I am petty and self-centered and a big baby. And there are times, I'm going to be completely honest, there are times when you compliment Jeff to me and it burns. (laughs) That it's like, oh, Jeff had such a great sermon. Oh, yeah, Jeff's the best. Yeah, he is so good. Uh, let's, and, and, so, and, and what I do in that moment is I catch myself. Because what we've, what we've done is we've been competitive, but we have, and Jeff has been great at this, he has made it very, very clear not to be comparing us. When you go from competitive to comparing, when you compare, now one's better than the other. One is preferable. And that is where favoritism begins and where competition goes south. And so the question when it comes to competition is, whose glory is being given in my competition? Is it self-glory? If that is the case, you will devolve into the same situation in your family that happened with Jacob and Esau. Parents will be divided, children will be divided, and families will be an absolute miserable place to be. You see, at Crosswalk, a lot we talk about our identity. I'm a a child of God bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. We even talk about our destiny. And our destiny is to be with the Lord in heaven, that we're going to be called there. But this one is the third one. And that is, what is the purpose of my life? And the purpose of my life is to give God glory in everything that I do, And share him with everyone around me. Jacob and Esau lost their purpose. That that it, it was turned in on themselves. And when you lose your purpose, you are setting yourself up for misery. We continue. One day, uh, uh, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, of course, because he's at home and he's a chef and that's what he, people who live in the tents do, right, um, that Esau came in from the open country famished. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Wow. Wow. He's the oldest one, so, so he has the birthright. The birthright would mean that you are recognized as the head of the family, and it means that you would receive a double inheritance. So now we have a situation where you begin to see what Jacob is all about. Can you see him, how it's gone from when he was born holding to that ankle to finally, as he's gotten older now, to pull Esau behind him and why he's called Jacob? This is the kind of guy he is. How does Jesus respond in this situation? Here, have a cup of. You're hungry. Let me give you a bowl of soup. You're my brother. I love you. Not, not Jacob. In the blank, you can write, "Feed me." Jacob had an appetite for power. He looked for the shortcut to take what God has promised to give. You might be a a little more like Jacob. If you are one that sees blessings you think God wants you to have and you're going to help God out. If you think God needs help getting you what you need by getting it through whatever means possible, Jacob, that that is a a good title for you As, as one who's grabbing the heel, trying to pull yourself up on the back of others, trying to take what God had given. Now, let's look at the other side of this. This is Esau. Look, I am about to die. Are you kidding me? You're about to die. So in other words, if you fall down dead, just put a little stew underneath my tongue and maybe I'll come back too? Come on. I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? Possible some exaggeration. Possible. But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank, and then he got up and left. And so Esau despised his birthright. In the blank, you can write, feed me. Esau satisfied his immediate appetite. He despised, and despised here means he could take it or leave it. He he could take or leave things of lasting value. And so this is feed me, and I use the word appetite, and now I want you to think about things that you are hungry for. We even use that terminology. Are you power hungry? Or are you someone who's starving? Starving for attention? Starving for the uh, approval of others? Starving, what, what is it that you are hungry for? What is it that you just say, God, if you gave me this, I wouldn't be hungry anymore. The problem with these, these appetites that both Jacob and Esau had is that the more they fed the appetite, as it is with, with food, the hungrier they got the more and more they gorged themselves on the power that you would ask the question, Jacob, when is enough power going to be enough for you? When are, when are you going to finally be happy and say, this is enough? With Esau, it, it wasn't necessarily about just the stew, but it was about this pleasure, about this, this desire for what I wanted in the moment to, be, to gratify these cravings that I have, cravings for whatever it is in the moment. This is what I want, so I go and I take it. And I get it. Thought about this. As I thought about, yeah, the need for approval, acceptance, pleasure, the, the finer things. What is it that you say, if I just had this, I would be happy? And tell you it doesn't exist. And, and, and so as we look in this, this is where it ends. And, and, it, and it ends in this moment, and this is like the end of the first act, and it really sets us up for the rest of the life of Jacob and so many things that are going to happen because of this single event. Now, as we look at this, the, the other reason why I like the word despise is because in an explanation of uh, the third commandment where it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, what does this mean? That, that we are encouraged not to despise preaching and God's word. And and that is something that as I look at, I realize is something that that I see in my own life and I have to believe that that can happen in yours as well. Esau had this wonderful gift of the birthright and it was his by virtue of being the firstborn. And and there were a number of things attached with that and responsibilities. And when he looked at that in, in terms of his everyday life, it, it didn't mean that much to him until later we're going to see it meant a lot when it was taken away and he no longer had it. And I would argue that, that we have the same thing because we also have a birthright. We are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That, that all of us are, are adopted into his family and so you have a birthright And you have an inheritance. Each and every person here. As I talked about, the the identity. That is who you are, the child of God, the destiny of being with the Lord in heaven. And all of us share in that same inheritance. And I would argue that on a daily basis, we act a lot like Esau. That we go for the stew. That we go for the things that are not of lasting value for the things that hours after we get them, we're on to the next thing. That's why Jesus said, store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. The final words that, that we're going to look at is John six twenty seven, And Jesus says it this way, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. One of the things I'm going through right now is uh, I'm I'm like working with a coach to try to eat healthier. And one of the things that that the, the coach has me do is identify problem times in the day. And the worst time for me is when I get home at night after maybe not even having supper because I have meetings and stuff like that. And, and the worst thing that I do, this, this is when I know I'm dead, is when I open the pantry door. Because when I open the pantry door, there is a lot of food in there I should not eat. And, and I'm looking for something usually, ideally would be a Little Debbie Swiss cake roll, uh, some type of cookie. Um, yeah, something like that would be... Really good, actually, now that I think about it. But anyways, but that's not what I need. And, and so what, what I am encouraged, they say, no, you need to have this. You need to have that in the fridge. You need to have something ready that's healthy to eat that, and, and be smart with what you do. I, I think this is important because, remember, this is about feed me and this is about, about appetite. And I think where we found our, find ourselves on, on any given day spiritually is in front of the pantry door. And I think what the pantry door might be is your television. I, I think it might be the radio. When you hear or see things that maybe if you wouldn't have turned on, you wouldn't have even wanted. But now all of a sudden, as you see what that person has and how happy they are, it's something you must have. Maybe for you it's social media. That you go and you're looking at others and you see all the things that they have and all of a sudden you're hungry for it. That you're hungry for success or happiness or or whatever it is. And that's when the Lord says, maybe take a a step back and and look at how you feed yourself and how you feed yourself things that are going to last on on my word. And, and, And chewing on that throughout the day. In the blank, you can write, feed me. God fills our appetites with good things. The band is going to be out here in a moment singing a song, Rest. And and as you look at that, one thing you might want to do is open your phone app to Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is really what that that is about when it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I, I shall not be in want, I will lack nothing. But then it says, he will lead me In the green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. The green pastures and and the water are about being fed. And it's about being fed the truths of his word, about who you are as his child, about where you are going to be with him at, at home in heaven. And it's about the purpose of your life. All of us are hungry. Let's eat. Let's feed on on this truth of of Jesus and his word and the forgiveness that he gives us. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, thank you for this beginning of of looking at Jacob. And as we look at it, help us to be reminded that it's a story of your grace. Jacob and Esau, less than perfect. Each and every one of us, sinful, sinful, needing of your forgiveness in families where there where sin has wreaked havoc and, and starving left starving as a result for things that aren't going to fill us up. But Lord, help us to be filled up by you and your word. Help us find our identity in you. Help us find our destiny in you. And, and as we go through life, help us find our purpose as well. Please be with us. Send your Holy Spirit to feed us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. The encouragement and the next step that I give for all of you today is come back next week and eat. Uh, This week, throughout the week, eat, feed what the Lord gives us, feed on his word, continue to grow in that. And as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.